Hey, what's up, guys? Today is May 6th, and you're here with Danny and Evan, Red Llama, for the first cut. Welcome back, everybody. Evan, say hello, would you? Mm hmm So today we're actually reviewing jazz as the topic. Now, to be clear, there's a lot of different uh, subsets of jazz uh, that we very well could be going into, and that's typically kind of what we like to do is find the very niche little areas. But today we're just doing jazz. And there's an important reason for me, at least, wanting to just do jazz specifically, and that is that I think jazz as an umbrella term, or just the standard term, is often overlooked by more specific types of jazz or uh, other off genres, I should say, one-off genres, I should say. And uh, yeah, I think just, just modern jazz doesn't really get a lot of the attention it deserves in my opinion as a whole so that's personally why i wanted to do uh jazz this week evan what are your thoughts on on jazz <laughs> and what we're about to get into uh well i guess my thought on um specifically regarding specifically this um this one i, th I think regarding jazz on this the fact that i think the biggest re reason to me that it was jazz and not um something very specific was I think uh, Bandcamp's um, like filing system is really bad. Um, that's true too. And that's it, yeah, that's a great point. Here's the thing: I wanted to actually um, do something specific. Like I actually kind of wanted specifically to listen to bebop or listen to like spiritual jazz or like avant-garde jazz, but um, like everything's just mixed. Like I swear to God, you click on spiritual jazz and you'll get everything you click on bebop you'll get uh, you know you'll get uh, like like electro funk jazz <laughs> like yeah it's it's kind of silly but <clears throat> i agree this will be the first episode that will actually be playing music alongside the thing though so you can actually hear what we're talking about yay excited um so yeah you can you can actually hear what we're talking about not just have to look it up but you know please do look these bands up anyways because honestly you know as we've said uh, many times before, and we'll probably say it many times still, these artists are really good. And that's the reason we're doing this, is so that you can discover them and listen to them, you know, buy their music, or, you know, not, just listen to it on fucking YouTube or whatever you want to do. But they're they're really, really worth the recog. Um, so, for sure, look them up, but you will get to hear them today while we're doing the thing, too. So, with that, let's go ahead and dive on in, shall we? Okay, so the first pick we have for you today is uh, Andreas Thor and the Nordic Quartet. As you can see, he's from Reykjavik, Iceland. I'm amazed that I knew how to pronounce that, honestly. I mean, I know it's a common name, but, uh, hmm, yeah. I mean, Iceland, it's not that hard to pronounce. It's just ice. <laughs> ice land, yeah. That's totally what I meant. Um... <laughs> The big thing, I'll go ahead and lead off real quick. Uh, the big thing with this one, as if you couldn't tell by the name, I mean, you know, the album's name is Nordic Quartet, but Iceland being a Nordic territory, uh, as you may be able to guess, there are four people in this band. You know what? Uh, I didn't start the music on the thing, but I'm going to go ahead and start it uh, right now with Butterfly, the first track. Um, as you'll notice, um, it is a quartet. Uh, there's Andres Thor uh, playing guitar and pedal steel guitar, which I have to say, pedal steel guitar, very weird pick for um, for jazz music, I think, as a whole. And we'll 
get into that later because it's only on a couple of tracks, but uh, Anders uh, Gronseth, I'm sorry by the way if I pronounce any of these things wrong, with the saxophone, bass clarinet, uh, Andreas Dreyer on double bass, and Eric Nylander on drums and drum machine. Very simple instrumentation. Uh, fairly simple music, I would say, as, as a whole, too. It's very applicable, I would say, for your... Oh, hang on one second. Very, very applicable, I would say, for your standard, um, just casual jazz listener. Now, it's not to say that if you're an advanced jazz listener that you won't enjoy this, but... It's easy, it's easy, I think, for just about anybody to get into. Um, Evan, what are your thoughts on the Nordic Quartet? <laughs> well, this, this to me is uh, actually quite, uh, quite special. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, this, well, this is like the first pick that, that jumped out at me. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, it was probably the fact that it was, like, called the Nordic Quartet. It's like Nordic, it just sounds kind of cool, so... And it's a cool picture, cool album cover. So I was like, yeah, click on that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was the first thing to jump out at me and actually sort of have a unique um, unique little taste to it. And I think that's mainly because um, uh, the, the featured track that was on the Discover tab... Uh, that's this one, isn't it? Butterfly? No, it was something not. else. Just because I, I remember... Um, specifically that uh, um, I heard a bass clarinet which I uh, very seldom do I hear a bass clarinet in like modern jazz that's a good point too it's pretty fucking uncommon and I I I guess the bass clarinet to me was a pretty underappreciated instrument I had found for pretty much my entire life until a couple of months ago when I started (laughs) doing a lot of recording of a bass clarinet, yeah. <laughs> realize like, how powerful and great of an instrument it actually yeah, really is. Really beautiful instrument. So I heard the bass clarinet, and that like that hooked me. That really grabbed me. And then, um, and then of course there's like this. Um, the double bass is really nice. The too. double bass is great. The uh, um, which definitely like the double bass nicely ties it into it being more traditional sounding. Um, so it's not just out of nowhere. It's it's very it's like it's Western jazz, but with like an interesting span. It's got the like the shimmery, uh, reverberated electric guitar um, that that I think is just just great. Like, I like the contrast too. I'll say that um, the saxophonist plays plays two different saxophones and the bass clarinet, uh, but the two that he chose were the soprano and the tenor. Now, granted, there are more than your standard for the soprano, the alto, the tenor, and the baritone. Uh, which, by the way, for anyone who didn't happen to know this, which is probably 99% or more of the people, uh, I actually used to be a jazz saxophonist, of all things. Uh, I was an alto and then moved to tenor, but I think what I find, I guess, so great is that um, the tenor fills most of the range that the alto will. It doesn't get quite as high, but the soprano makes up the... its low end makes up for that range. Um, and obviously, you know, the baritone, it's not going to get extraordinarily deep, but I think, I think it's a good contrast having the soprano and tenor versus, say, an alto and, um, an alto and baritone or alto and tenor, which this is a soprano sax now for those who are unfamiliar. It's nice, sweet, sounds almost like a, a tinny clarinet, gorgeous instrument. 
and I'll say, man, it really fucking makes me want to get one. I just, I've always loved the way the soprano sax sounds. Um, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, it's a nice, nice, uh, casual, casual listen. Um, yeah, this is the feature track right here. There you go. Basic, that's what it is. Um, this is the one that I think has like kind of like the noodley solos in it. Yeah, which is really, like, really nice. Takes me away, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but I hear that, that the bass clarinet is just oh man, that, uh, yeah, that does something that's for me. Sexual. It's so good. Yeah, and then I hear just like I don't know. I initially hearing the uh, that guitar too. It, I don't know. It made me think of Robert Fripp kind of. Uh, like, yeah, I, I can tone. feel that. I didn't get that myself, but like now that you're saying it. Like I know that you know, by this point it can be pretty obvious that I'm not like a jazz listener. I'm not a jazz expert. When I say for hip, I mean he's not a jazz guitar player. No, so, but like, no, I, I mean I don't. I mean I don't, West Montgomery, like sure. <clears throat> yeah, my thing I'll say I like on this is that for the most part it's very smooth jazz, and you get some areas where it picks up a little bit, and you get things that are a little more intense, like this song you're gonna hear in just a minute. Is, is going to become um, much more dynamic. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> but even in <clears throat> even in the whole soloing quality, I feel like it's it's there's never a point where it's too masturbatory, and I think that's very common in jazz, where it's just kind of like a bunch of pretty decent musicians come in and just kind of have a fucking circle jerk with each other and they're just like look what i can do oh yeah well check this out and it's really fucking obnoxious to just hear people um try and give their best little like noodling solo they can for like five minutes straight and then just call it a song uh, and I mean, to be honest, I, I'm not gonna throw shade on any uh, classic jazz musicians, but there's a lot of fucking classic jazz musicians that do that too. And we're still revered as some of the better jazz musicians out there. Uh, and I think it's kind of bothersome to me that it seems like a lot in jazz, there's an emphasis on um, technique over musicality and that's that's pretty fucking disturbing to me and it's one of the biggest reasons that I got out of jazz when I did um, and started going into other things but um, truly to see artists that can take it on a musical level as opposed to a technical level it, it's really special like Evan said um, and I think these guys do it really well that's why when I think of jazz musicians are the fear most I think Albert Ehlers and like uh, John Coltrane and Ornette Coleman were like uh, they, probably the most important just because they, they were the pioneers of, of, of free jazz and like yeah, um, avant-garde jazz and like when, <laughs> um, I think I think uh, the music became only more self-indulgent but I think it wasn't uh, it wasn't just like it was actually interesting I guess yeah so I like that stuff yeah yeah indeed indeed so obviously you guys are listening along with us and you can certainly make up your own minds about how you feel about this 
but um, it's good, man. I gotta say, I really enjoy it, and uh, it just it makes me wanna it makes me wanna bust out the French press, have a nice cup of black coffee, just kick my shoes off, and just fucking relax. You know what I mean? Just lay back and just kind of let the world happen for a little while. And you know what I like about this is it's it's technical enough that you don't have to do that very much. You could just you know, really actively listen to it and, you know, be kind of sat up and uh, listen to it intently for its its, uh, nuances and everything, but you sure don't have to. And me personally, I really enjoy jazz that isn't that way. Um, And that's really about all I have to say on this one. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. But, you know, fair, fair warning for all of those watching, they are going to get a little bit <clears throat> more weird into the avant-garde, I think, as this list progresses as we go into the next couple of artists. But with that, let's get into the next one, shall we? Okay, so, getting into the next one, we have Sophie Fott from Indianapolis, Indiana. <clears throat> That's always been a weird fucking city for me to say. Just Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, so <clears throat> soapy, soapy. Excuse me. Uh, I'm not getting to edit these as much with the music actually playing. But Sophie Fought is Sophie Fought is a um, tenor saxophonist. Oh, this is the title track. I thought it was gonna start from the beginning. Oh well, that's fine. Uh, tenor saxophonist, Indianapolis, Indiana. Looks like she's playing also with Nick Tucker and Ben Lumsdane. Let's see what they play, because I didn't look into that first. Uh, Nick Tucker is the bassist. Ben Lumsdane is drums. And it sounds like they have the occasional guitarist who is Joel Tucker. I'm guessing probably related to Nick Tucker, but who knows? <clears throat> so, with that, this one is, a li- I'll say, s- slightly more strange than the last but still still pretty casual overall um not a bizarre listen particularly but still very good uh evan what say you um well uh i mean i didn't have like a lot really to uh to comment on with this i mean yeah like it yeah i feel like it's um uh uh, a little, yeah, a little more um, dependent on um, grooviness and like uh, kind of creeping little um, riffs and stuff. I guess, I guess that's the thing. Is that like more emphasis on riffs, like the yeah, like like which is not necessarily what I go for when it, when I when I listen to jazz. When I listen to jazz, I mean, I want to just like listen to bebop and I want to hear like like a super quick tempo and sure. like um, and just like changes that are like at a blistering speed um, well but, yeah for those who aren't familiar Evan and absolutely he can correct me on this so because he's right here Evan is very much a big fan of um, well musical dynamics and um, I don't feel like this album has that in spades it's not to say that they're not there but yeah it feels it feels a lot more traditionally in the pocket which again is not a bad thing yeah i mean this is but 
it, no. it's just it is what it is. <laughs> That's definitely a very, uh, very true statement to say. Um, uh, and I, I don't think this. Yeah, this one actually it doesn't have bad dynamics. I mean, like I feel like I no. could, I feel like I could listen to this like in the car and hear generally hear everything that's going on and like it would sound fine um uh it never like wows me with dynamics but yeah that, but and that's the thing it's not uh, it doesn't sound like I, I listen to some other artists trying to uh discover some stuff on here in my journey and uh i heard some some jazz that sounded like traditional style jazz but that was just compressed um to uh, to oh, Helen back yeah. and <clears throat> sounded more like a hip hop production than uh, than a jazz production. So what they basically did was just take something that that could have had a strong um, dynamic mood to it and uh, it just created like a huge fat thumping um, arrangement, which some people like that, I guess, but. That's definitely not what I'm looking for when I'm looking for jazz. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, <clears throat> I, I like while I'm listening to this, I can hear the double bass, and it's, I wouldn't say it's subdued, but it's it's very mild, it's very quiet, it's not, it's not, it's not competing to be loud, and neither are the drums, really, so I, I hope that y'all who are listening to this can hear that well, too. Um... If not, then of course go ahead and listen to it on your own, and I'm sure you'll be able to hear it very well. But um, it it all feels like it has its good place. Like Evan said, the production is very appropriate to jazz as opposed to you know hip hop or something else. Uh, I dig the hell out of this, and uh, I'm certainly not trying to imply that anybody doesn't. Um, but just to like to that point, it's not crazy dynamic it's it's fairly easy listening to but for an easy listening jazz i think it's i think it's pretty sick to be honest it's pretty good yeah I, uh, it's like i do I mean, as much as i love like uh, uh the traditional style of jazz where you think of like um uh, just like uh Take a, a tempo and a set of changes and a key, and then you uh, uh, just have a bunch of different soloists doing their improvisational bits. Um, this definitely feels a lot more song-based, yeah. which which is uh, I guess nice in its own way. It sounds it has a some interesting compositional structures to it that uh, that I think are pretty cool. Like obviously the territory it's going into right now, this is obviously not. Say obviously not improvisational, but maybe they're just very good at improvising with each other. But it sounds definitely that could be composed to. I'm sorry, everyone. I got a bit of a sore throat. But yeah, um, yeah. Sorry about that. Our computer uh, goofed on us a little bit, so we had to jump out and back in. But um. Yeah, what else is there really to be said? I mean, good music, fun music. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really, like, cut when I think of, like, cut through in the way, like, if I think of, like, you know, all, all the jazz, like, great jazz albums and things like that. 
but I wouldn't really say it like fits into the mold either. It's it's very good. It's I, I enjoy listening to it. Um, I don't know if I'd personally go out and buy it. And I'm trying, you know, I'm trying not to say anything that sounds mean because I'm I'm certainly not trying to be mean, and my thoughts aren't on it aren't negative. Um, but it's it's hard sometimes to say things that aren't you know grossly positive and not sound negative i guess it's good i definitely strongly recommend listening to it and there's there's some more really bizarre themes on this album i can't really think of any particular ones off the top of my head but it does get into some some darker more experimental territories here and there um it's fun i i enjoyed listening to it um that's that's about my wrap on that evan do you have anything you'd like to say before we move on to the next artist no sir okay well that was three muses by sophie fought nick tucker and ben lumsdane give it a listen would you and with that we're on to our last artist for the evening okay so we're on to our final artist of the evening we have kim oki with his <clears throat> with his album uh cherubim's wrath uh, I'm not going to, well, I'm guessing Cherubin's Wrath is what the symbols are beyond that. Uh, I don't know because I don't speak Korean, <laughs> to be quite candid. Uh, this album is exceptionally dynamic. This album is very, very interesting. Very cool pick. Um, I'm trying to see how you, the hell the hell do you know how to pronounce the, the place where he's from. Gyeonggi-do, South Korea. I'm not sure, but um, mm. man, this album is fucking weird. But I, I, I love it, and I'm sure you guys will too. Um, Evan, mm-hmm. um, uh, yes, very strong. Like, like this is one that I haven't bought yet, but I strongly considered buying before. Oh, it's only seven dollars. You featured. Yeah, I mean, this, no, it's definitely one I'm going to buy, because, no, this album is actually, I find, I guess I found this listening to it, um, very, uh, just very interesting in every way. For one, I mean, it's, again, like, like all my, like everything that's good, it's just, I don't know where to start. Like, um, I guess, uh, um, the production quality is, is, is fabulous, but the interesting thing with that is that obviously as you can tell from the title there this is a, a remastered edition of an album from 2013 um, as it says down in the info and uh, um, I mean it'd be interesting to hear what the original sounded like but um, good point. so this is obviously redone um, a few years after it was uh, originally put out whatever they did to it they might have done barely anything to it I don't know but it, it sounds great um, not to cut you off but as we can hear right now this is a double bass actually being bowed and not that that's uncommon in the world of you know double bass playing by any means it's very uncommon in jazz playing but that's the thing with this album that I, I think is so fucking excellent is Almost everything that's done in this is so uncommon. It's so 
so strange. It sounds and to just me yeah. bizarre, but so good at it's the like same time. It's like folk art or something. It's yeah. just like outsider art. It There's just... a lot of Oriental folk influence clearly too, as as you'll yeah. see when you get into the album. There, there's actually a specific thing I do want to listen to. Even like, um... is it Orion Star House that has like the singing yeah. in it? Oh hell yeah, I'm putting that on in a minute too. That's yeah, super so. Regarding um, this album, so this album is this this hits definitely hits like the touchstone for me of of what I want to hear when I listen to just anything. It's super dynamic, yeah, super dynamic, very avant garde, play, play, very brave to play around with uh, uh, to play around with minimalism and to have these intros that can creep on with uh, with obviously uh, you know this this bowed double bass sounds eerie and um the way it kind of hatches into uh um these new uh, these new ideas and uh and the thing is it does get more traditional it That's does true. it's not just pure weird postmodern <laughs> jazz let's, let's it's, get into this orion star house here real quick yeah but you go ahead and continue your thing i'm gonna well, wait till it times out and then i'll click on her well uh I mean, yeah, that's kind of. I definitely want to like move into topically into that because, like, this Ryan Star. So, yeah, this this tune was definitely like uh, a very interesting thing for me to hear. Um, it's interesting because it, as it's gonna get past the uh, the just the sort of um, ambient noise of like water flowing, um, the instrumentation was really confusing for me but like in an interesting way so listening to this it's like uh, that's a bass by the way for all you that's a standing double bass that's gonna say crazy here's the thing this sounds like it could be like your traditional south korean folk instrument Um, yeah i know exactly not a bass and and it's just playing this melody that sounds like a traditional sort of Korean or I guess you know just Asian generally um, folk tune. It, like it, um, it's just like this really interesting marriage of uh, of like folk music and jazz. Yeah. Um, which is just like really special to me I agree. to hear. Uh, it, I guess it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Moon Dog. Moondog, I think, is like probably my uh, one of my favorite uh, jazz musicians, um, and that's that was sort of his thing was that um, uh, he took jazz music into <laughs> into his own little world, which was very idiosyncratic, and um, he was more interested in. Uh, I guess grooves, but um, creating just these these kind of weird, just definitely uncommon atmospheres, and not any kind of uh, um, overemphasis on uh, uh, extended improvisation or, sure. uh, or or anything too wildly self-indulgent, but like like you know, just like listening to this, it uh, just makes you think of something that like. God's Godspeed you Black Emperor would have done like back in their heyday. Sure. Like Yeah, totally. Uh, obviously, not to say like, oh this oh it reminds me of Godspeed. It's so cool. No, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, it definitely does not. But it yeah. sounds like as adventurous and and 
curious as they they tend to be like um, and uh, um, yeah it's just a great timber great groove um, yeah this was the highlight for this album for sure yes and two points I want to make real quick I agree with you on, on everything you've said on that by the way um, the, the combination of, of traditional oriental folk and, and jazz on this album is honestly it's, it's fucking stunning when I was listening to it I was legitimately entranced by, by this when I was listening to it the first time and um, I, hope, I hope you guys can feel that as well it's, it's very very unique extraordinarily unique but it's extremely good and I find typically when you find music that is extraordinarily unique you're like, you're like wow I've never heard anything like that before it's not very good <laughs> as a matter of fact it's, it's typically very bad and it's not very easy to get into but uh, I, I definitely don't feel that way about this but for all of those watching who can see this and all of those listening who can't I'm also noticing this album has supported by one that's like one supporter. That was a that's, thing to get noticed for. That is a crime in my opinion. So if you're hearing this and you think this is pretty decent, I, I might consider buying this. It's seven dollars and supported by one person. Clearly this guy doesn't have a whole lot of exposure. Um, please do. Please check this one out because this is this is this is a travesty in my opinion. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh, traction on this album. It's, it's upsetting to me, to I say think, the least. Yeah, I think maybe a, a, an unfortunate part of that is that I think people tend to, on, on Bandcamp, they tend to see an album for $7, and they'll see, oh, it's seven tracks. I mean, I'm not going to Well, yeah, I mean... I pay, I... I pay $3. Like, like, most bands are just willing to put their stuff up for free. If not, you know, maybe like a couple of dollars. I really, really wish I could disagree with you, but I can't. Here's my big thing, I guess, on this, that I would hope anyone with half a mind looking at this thing, oh, it's only seven tracks. Okay, yeah, sure. And the first two tracks are pretty short. Track three, seven and a half minutes long. That's pretty long. Track five is 12 minutes long. It's yeah. not particularly a short album, minus the fact that yeah, it's seven tracks, but they're Fairly, it's still a pretty decent length, and it's only seven dollars. So you'd go to fucking McDonald's and spend more than seven dollars on chicken nuggets and a milkshake, for fuck's sake. The other thing, off of that, that's like, um, uh, uh, fuck, I forgot what I was gonna say. I'm um, not sure. It was a um, has to do with McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah. No, um, oh, well, okay, so the other thing that, uh, that comes off of that, that I gotta say... We're getting in some real dissonant territories here, and it's getting me excited. Is that, to me, like, to me, the, the quality of the body of work is so much more important than the length. Oh, God, for the, yes. For the love of God, like, if this album was, was 30 minutes, but it was genuinely filled with, um, just very interesting peaks and valleys... Um, I mean, for God's sakes, how many fucking how many minor threat fans are there out there? They'd be happy to listen to a twenty-six second song. Yeah, yeah. So, and then another thing people might might think, and I don't know what people think, but uh, I mean, 
I think people tend to, and I'm not saying jazz listeners. I think jazz listeners are t- tend to be more open-minded when it comes to music and more That's open-minded to minimalism. But I think when people tend to hear um, the that soft plucking at the beginning of a, um, what was it? A, Punchback? A, no, that was uh, Bode. Uh, Orion, uh, Orion Starhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when they hear that kind of thing, or or when they yeah, when they listen to Hunchback for that matter, uh, they tend to hear that and it's like this is one instrument. I mean, this isn't interesting to me. I need a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and that's to, to me the way that yeah. this plays with that minimalism in the start and then creeps into and doesn't even creep into like like horror vacui. Like it's, I mean, it's it's just a modest a modest. Um, uh, sort of uh, arrangement that's going on here, even at like the maximum, uh, you know, um, intensity. But it's it's just so um, it's just all like very interesting. It's just got uh, it's just one of those funny things that I, I think that like people don't think about. But I feel like if uh, if you're able to with your music, if you're able to use silence as a tool I think silence is so powerful silence and like strong minimalism are, are some of the most powerful tools in music and well I, I mean if you can play around with silence and put like some very just quiet um, uh, pieces into a into a normal song it just create it like it just creates context I think I think there's an enormous point to be made on that for all artistic mediums, to be completely honest. I mean, painting with negative space is a huge thing, for one. So not being afraid to have areas of a blank canvas is a huge thing. Uh, If in a movie you have, uh, uh, let's just say, an argumentative scene where let's just say two lovers are quarreling or something, and the whole scene is them screaming at each other you haven't really created an emotionally dynamic contrast there's there's nothing to, there's nothing to simulate reality there if if you're creating instead a scene where you know there's screaming and yelling and then there's silence because they're they're thinking or they're heartbroken or they're they're really reeling from pain that creates that sense of reality that sense of of, of real longing and makes you feel more engrossed by what's happening. Music is the same way. Music naturally doesn't happen in a state of constant sound, one level of dynamic, and then it's 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 over. When you think of music really on a natural level, it is very dynamic, and it does own silence. So to be able to to feel that and feel the reality of what music is as a whole and really use those elements especially as you were saying in in playing with silence is or or softness even for that matter too is is very special and it seems like a lot of people today are genuinely afraid of silence because they think it's going to be boring but (laughs) that's the thing is it, it it adds so much maybe this is a good place to plug uh you know one of the most common miles davis quotes um you know, that's how he said, you know, I, I think he said, I want to be, I more want to be known for the notes I don't play. So it's like, um, like a modesty. I think like a certain modesty is just like so, so beautiful to, um, to playing into, uh, uh, music production. Um, I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, 
that's all I had. Um, well, I think another big thing too is um, this album gets very dissonant. And to be fair, the last one did too. You guys didn't get to hear it too much. But if, if that's something that's really, really putting blood in your pencil, then like you know, by all means, go ahead and listen to it. But. Uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was a weird way to say that. I meant to say lead, but blood, still. Blood <laughs> like blood in your pen, I would get. But. Yeah, well, you guys know where my fucking mind is. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> if it's if it's really you know if it's really um, interesting to you uh, that the concept of dissonance, then then certainly go back and listen to the Ost album fully too. And I mean, do anyways, but specifically to hear it for that. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that fucking. That metaphor threw me off. Um, the thing I'll say with, with dissonance, too, is that a lot of people think, you know, if you're playing with notes that are, are out of key or, you know, really playing around with dissonance, oh, it's it's bad. You're not playing a note that's in scale and it's, it's dark and it sounds, you know, severe and agitating and things like that. Well, but again, those are natural feelings. Those are natural things that occur that we experience that absolutely owns a huge place in musicality and to quote uh victor wooten you know there's 12 notes between every octave uh even if you hit a wrong one you're only one note away from being right uh you shouldn't be afraid of being dissonant by any means and you know anybody who is really a fan of victor wooten knows that he does play around with dissonance a lot in very smooth sounding things and being out of key I think a lot of those those big bassists the big uh, you know Richard Bona is another fucking amazing example they, they do that a lot they, they really play around with getting out of key deliberately and it's so good for it I mean this is something we can hear literally right now and it's one of those things that I guess you know you may find it bizarre at first but once you kind of step away from that and think you know it was it was deliberate um, and really just kind of try and get out of your normal thinking and headspace I think you'll find that it, it is very good I mean I guess it's not for everyone but ultimately I think it's fucking amazing um, I don't really know what to say too more on that too much more on that but, uh, playing with dissonance and silence and um, dynamics is so 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 cool to a good album you know, come on, just that, that song name is, like, so, like, it's, it's throwing me off, like, I'm, like, it's almost, like, hilarious, and it's almost, like, what is it, what's the message? It's very interesting. It's so good. Yeah, I imagine the little, like, bell tower uh, demons from the fucking Dark Souls 2, like, 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 shots and, like, cannonballs or something. Yeah! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, um, such a fucking good album. Uh, I know I'm gonna be buying it, I know you're gonna be buying it, and, uh, goddamn, you guys should at least check it out. Um, I don't really know what more there is to say on it. I think the music, you know, we've said a lot, but the music really speaks for itself a lot. But I, I do have one more point I want to make, too. Uh, I've been talking to a good handful of people recently, and I've found that, you know, I've known it's a thing, but something that I didn't really realize was as cancerous as I think it is that there's a lot of people today who have this mentality of like I love art I enjoy art and uh, 
you know, I, I want to experience art as much as I can, but I'm not going to support artists. Um, you know, I'll listen to their album, I'll listen to it a hundred times, I'll never buy it. Um, I'll pirate a movie and watch the hell out of that movie, but fuck, I'm not going to go see it in theaters or like actually, you know, buy the, you know, Blu-ray when it comes out or this or that or whatever. And um, that's pretty despicable to me to be completely honest as an artist i mean as an artist who invests my money into other artists on a very literal level to make their albums um literally that we're we're, we're funding part of our community out of out of the money that we make to to help people produce their albums in turn so they can sell it and they can make money and see how hard it is for them to make money in, in even that regard. Um, it's genuinely depressing to see how little people really care about artists, how much people love art, but seem to almost hate artists. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's actually, it's pretty fucking sad. And that's honestly one of the biggest reasons that Evan and I created natural cut records is, you know, when, we started making music together when we were fucking kids, man. And, uh, you know, we always, uh, I'll just speak for myself in this part. I always dreamed of somebody discovering me at a venue and saying, you know, you guys are really good. I want to help support you and this and that and whatever. And that never happened. And I get that it never happened. I'm not fucking bitter about it by any means, but it's a different day and age. There was a time where people legitimately wanted to pay for music. People wanted to go to shows. People wanted to support local arts and, and their favorite artists and things like that. And that just doesn't really happen so much anymore. And, and to be honest, if you're hearing this and thinking, well, I do that, that's not me. God bless you. Um, because you're a very vast minority. Um, but it is kind of depraved to me to think of how little people want to put in for these things that they joy, enjoy every day. Well... Yeah, I mean, for uh, for all those those couple of folks out there who haven't ever made an album and recorded an album and uh, engineered an album and mastered an album. Holy shit. Because um, I know there's only probably a couple of you. Most of you out there have definitely done that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's weird how it's easy to become desensitized and, and listen to, listen to even, just listen to just a pop album we'll listen to the i don't know the new cold play or something well don't listen to cold play but i mean i guess if you want to but <laughs> but um but uh, uh there's no malice behind that but <laughs> I'm still Para, Paradise. Uh, um go listen to the new cold play it's easy to listen to it's easy to hear a track on the radio or hear it somewhere or other and just think of it as just a passing sound you, and you don't think about how much work went into oh, everything. For real. Think of the chain. I think of the artist writing the lyrics and, uh, and uh, creating the vocal melody. Nonetheless, and, the suffrage of the actual emotions well, that occurred to make the song in the first place. Yeah, and then and then think of everyone involved in the uh, and I mean literally everyone involved in the the uh, the, the tracking and the. Uh, engineering and the mixing and the mastering stage everyone involved i'm talking even down to the the janitors at the studio who, yeah i mean who there's, clean, there's that it's like everybody in this chain who makes these processes um, go
go smoothly. And uh, every every um, engineer's assistant who uh, sits there hovering a, a microphone over a cymbal or um, uh, every, uh, just every, everybody Everything. who's using, using their ears and using their minds to, uh, to realize some kind of final product. It's, it's really amazing and um, kind of disturbing that, that it's, it's definitely easy to take for granted. For sure. But um, <laughs> making a record is so fucking difficult. It's very laborious. There's a lot of... I mean, shit. <laughs> We're fucking engineers. We're producers. We, we make other people's... We make our music, too. Which, if you ever wanted to hear that, you know, by all means, follow Evan and I on Twitter. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the bands we produce as well but we're, we're engineers and producers we work with people all the time and we can listen to their lyrics we can feel their pain but we also see how many times they'll record the same guitar line over and over and over again just trying to get it perfect just trying to get it right i mean there are some days where you can bust out multiple songs in a day there are some days where you're lucky if you get one done just because it's so hard to get it perfect there's so much work and so much effort and pain really involved in it. And I keep saying pain, and I get that it's one of those things that I'm probably sounding almost hyperbolic, but I promise you, if you're if you're not a musician and you know someone who's been a recording musician, ask them how hard it is to record their album. Uh, unless they did it on like GarageBand in like five days, I bet you anyone, just about anybody would say, being in studio is practically an awful experience because it's so hard it's so difficult and it's mentally and emotionally draining not just exhausting but i mean there there have honestly been times where i've recorded music for uh evan and i's band uh, oppressed where i recorded the same guitar line like a hundred times trying to get it perfect and it, it would make me question whether or not i still wanted to do music or not I'd just be like, maybe I should just literally give up everything. Fuck this song, fuck the band, fuck playing guitar and singing and this and that, whatever. Maybe I just, maybe music isn't for me. It really puts you into a, a bad state of mind. It's very hard. It's almost really soul crushing. It's, it's rough. Um, but to think, you know, all of the, the emotional energy going into writing the music in the first place... Uh, practicing it with any kind of band or ensemble or anything and then going in and, and torturing yourself to record it and do all of those things and then think, you know, the only real reason you're recording it is for other people to hear it and then, you know, introduce it to people and then go, yeah, I mean, I like it, but I'm not going to pay for it or anything minus all that work and effort you put in. To me, it, it, it feels worse than the idea of, you know, telling someone you love them and just being like, that's cool. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, so to see other bands have the same issue on any level is, is brutal, man. It really disturbs me how little people want to put in for the things that they're getting that the, you know they allegedly love so much especially like this with an album like this it's seven dollars you would easily spend that going out to fast food if you think just like the idea of like oh well i'll just 
make my dinner at home and then own this album forever for the rest of my life and know that I've supported this artist instead of going and getting a couple cheeseburgers. That's, that's all it is. That's nothing. But to think, like, people can't be inconvenienced that much as a whole. They're just like, nah, yeah, but I still really like food fucking bacon in you know what I mean? <laughs> it fuck. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you like Baconators, have at it, I guess, but, um... I suppose it's a dead horse at this point. Um, it, ju it just, it bothers me. It really bothers me. It's something I'm very passionate about. Yeah, it bothers me. So, Evan, anything else you would like to say? No, not necessarily. So that was Kim Oki and, uh... Cherubim's Wrath, if you're uh, listening on iTunes, uh, or, you know, watching us on Peter Better Disaster. Um, thanks for continuing to watch, guys. We, we sure really do appreciate it. Obviously, we'll be back again, uh, hopefully next week. Yeah. You know, might be a little later, give or take, uh, hopefully next week. With a brand new genre, brand new ideas, and everything we talked to you about. But I think that's going to wrap it up for the jazz issue. I hope uh, you guys had fun. I hope maybe, uh, something or uh, maybe you played this at your kid's bar mitzvah and he didn't cry too much I don't know <laughs> but with that if you've been drinking drive home safe or you know just stay at home don't drive out and get that fucking uh, icy you've been wanting um, and don't smoke meth Danny BNCR and Red Llama signing off have a good night everybody or good day I guess depending on where you're at